podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! Hello and welcome back to a very special episode of the Eden Road podcast. Today I'm joined by Clayton. Clayton, how you doing, mate? Well, thank you. Uh, Jordan is also here tonight. Jordan, you're good, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Uh, and we're delighted to be joined by former Brentford captain Jonathan Douglas. Jonathan joined Brentford in 2011 and went on to make 169 appearances for the club, helping us to promotion in 2014. Jonathan, absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Thank you for taking the time to come on the pod. Oh, no problem at all. Lovely to meet you, all. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Lovely. <clears throat> Before we get going, we've got uh, every guest on the podcast to tell us their funniest Brentford story. And basically, at the end of the season, we're going to rank them all into a little top five. Um, we were actually discussing the squad from your time at Brentford with Natalie when she came on the pod, and she told us that there's definitely some funny stories from that group of players. So uh, I'll let you have a think about it. Um, unless you can come up with one just off the cuff, we can come back to it at the end of the episode. Uh, I'll have to think about it because it could be a bit, uh, a couple of stories could be a bit dodgy, so I'll have to think about it. <laughs> um, no worries. It was a good group, though. Um, great bunch of lads. So it was, uh, yeah, there's definitely, definitely might be a couple of good, funny stories from us. Perfect. Okay. Um, when we've had guests on in the past, we haven't opened up questions to to our audience. But um, this time, we've we sent a couple of tweets out, posted on the Griffin Park Grapevine, and we got loads of responses. So um, we've got loads of questions from online, and we'll get to those. But first of all, we we just got a few that we wanted to ask ourselves. So, um, Jonathan, you came to the club at a time when we'd kind of established ourselves as a as a League One team. When you came to Brentford, were were the ambitions of the club set out to you from the very start? Uh, yeah. Uh... For, I think I met uh, Uwe Rosler and Mark Warburton, the both of them in the hotel in uh, in London. So um, I had a couple of other options to um, sign with other teams, but yeah, just whenever I spoke to you know Uwe Rosler, I think and Mark Warburton, and you know what they were saying about the club and the direction that they wanted to go in, and you know Matthew Benham coming in as well, who's a you know a lifetime fan, and um, yeah, I found it very very interesting, and um, you know when you go to the training ground for the first time. That to, 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 it's, it's it's a tough sell. Obviously, it's a lot different now with the, the new training ground. But back then, it wasn't it wasn't much. Uh, but you just gotta you know speak to you know you know Uwe, who was unbelievable. He was just so meticulous. Just everything done had to be done right. Um, his standards had to be set very high, and uh, you know that was something that I really really wanted. And um, you know, as soon as I met them too, and you know, I was happy to you know to sign. Nice. Uh, in your first season at the club, you were named Supporters Player of the Year. It was a quite a strong start and end to the season, but obviously wasn't quite enough to be in the mix for promotion that that time round. But you know, were there signs in that seat in your first season that the following season that you could be onto something good? Uh, yeah, definitely. As you said, we had you know two good parts to it. Uh, pity that you know the middle one didn't live up to the other two. But uh, personally, for me, I was quite happy. You know that. Uh, we had a decent, you know, a decent footing in the, in the league. You know, a decent start myself personally. Uh, it was probably the first time in about let's say six years that I wasn't involved in a in a playoff or you know playoff final. So it was actually nice to get a longer break. If I'm if I'm honest with you, um, so I knew that uh, I knew that if we added a couple of, you know, I think Clayton Donaldson came at the same time as me. So I knew that if we added, 
you know, some quality season after that. We, you know, we we have the you know the basis of a good side. Nice. I think I think the next season. I don't know if I'm speaking for for these two, but I think the next season is probably one of the first that I remember quite vividly. Just because obviously it was a it was a promotion push and we were winning most of the games. Um, some amazing memories from that season. Obviously, also probably some of the worst memories that I have as a Brentford fan. The good ones though, Chelsea at home in the cup. I remember Sheffield United away. That was a crazy game. Um, some great players in that team: Adam Forshaw, Tom Adeyemi, Tony Craig, etc. From the players that we gained, did you and the players kind of know that this was the year? This was the year that we could do something. Uh, yeah, you just had to look at the, you know on the training ground. Um, you know, we had a good. Uh, we just mentioned there before. You know, the the team off the field was incredible. Like the team spirit, and you know, we knew that everybody was pulling for one another. And um, as you say, we 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 just knew to going on to the field nine times out of ten. You know, we'd we'd probably get a win. Um, and as you say, unfortunately, at the end of that season, it didn't turn out the way you know we wanted it to happen. But um, I think still that was a good learning experience for us, and it brought us into the following year. And um, you know, luckily, we we actually got something out of the end of it. Yeah, you t- you touched on it briefly there. What what was that game? Well, I was firstly Doncaster and then Yeovil. But what what were those two games like? That's the craziest finish to a football match. I think it kind of got overshadowed by the fact that. Leicester and Watford was in the same season. So when I t- talk to people about Doncaster Brentford, they're like they don't even know that it's happened. And it was like well, we're happy. It ha- the same thing happened a bit earlier yeah. on. What, what yeah. was that like? Yeah, well, uh, I think we were pushing for a goal at Doncaster. So um, you know my goal scoring record isn't the greatest. So I was actually taken off at, the, at that stage. So I was actually on the bench whenever you know Bert Trotz missed a penalty and then they went down the field and I actually played with Billy Painter as well. So uh, at Swindon, um, so. Yeah, we we're very, very disappointed, and then you know we had to pick ourselves up for the, you know, the semi-final and then the final, and um, I just unfortunately we didn't play the way we should have played in the final, and um, you know we got beat. Yeah, uh, you touched on it. Just um, the whole trot penalty situation was it was it a case of um, like what what was the what did you guys say to him afterwards to pick him up? Obviously, he took the penalty off off Kev. What what, what was said to him in the dressing room afterwards? Were there any? Angry exchanges, or was it mainly uh, yeah, just themselves uh, up? Yeah, there is angry exchanges. You know, you just think that you know Kev should have took it. He was a penalty taker, and Trots fancied it. And um, you know, nine times out of ten, he'd score that. Uh, but you know, it just wasn't to be. And you got to give him a lot of credit. He, you know, he owned up and came back the next season, and uh, you know, they've done well for us as well. Mm. Uh, out of that squad, who who would you say was your players' player out of that out of that team that almost got promoted and then went up the following year? Uh, I really liked it. I thought Clayton Donaldson was excellent. I thought, um, I know he didn't play too many times up through the middle. He was sort of wide the, the odd time as well. And I just thought he was, I just thought he was excellent. And I was um, you know, not disappointed because I knew that, you know, he, he was going to go on to, you know, to, you know, probably earn a little bit more money or, you know, go to, I think the, he went to Birmingham after that maybe. So I mean, yeah. they're in the championship. So, um, yeah, I was just disappointed that he left because I thought that, you know, if we had him and then, you know, we'd Andre Gray coming in and then Scott Hogan coming in and I just think if we, if we had them um, in that year, especially the first year in the championship where we got the semi final, I thought that, you know, we could have we could have actually went all the way. But um, I'd say Clayton Donaldson was especially the first first couple of seasons I was there. I just thought he was on his day. He was, he was you know, he's unstoppable. Mm, yeah, great name as well, uh, namesake with myself. Um, coming on to maybe one of your other players that uh, maybe pottered you in midfield, or we were talking a bit earlier about uh, Tamani, um, and kind of, I think he was at 
at Brentford when you joined. Um, so you probably played quite a, quite a lot of them. Um, there was kind of that period, I think we're skipping forward to the first season in the Championship. He kind of just turned into this different player. He was always solid, uh, great midfielder, but he just turned into a completely different player in that Championship season and kind of was a big driving factor um, getting into those playoffs. Did you did you see a change in him? What, what, what drove that? Uh, I don't know if I've seen a change. I just thought, I knew from the offset that he was he was a good player. Like um, Played against him a few times as well. So, you know, he's got these big, long big long legs where you know as a midfielder you think you have him and then all of a sudden you don't and he skips by you like and um for a big man he's got unbelievable feet. Um and I just think he had whenever whenever I first think he went out alone and then he came back and um he uh, he sort of like I, I, I started as the, the sitter and the, you know sitting deep and trying to get on it and then when he came and he got involved more he sat and it gave me the license to get forward and I think um uh, you know, me, him and Pritch or Judgey or whoever was in the, the three of us in the middle, you know, really gelled well together and that was because we knew he was, you know, he was, you know, tightening it up at the back for us along with, the, you know, obviously the back four and he was a big part of what we did and, um, yeah, he was an exceptional player and I think yeah, it only show, showed that, you know, the, the I suppose the better and the harder league it was, the better he became because, you know, that's the player he was. Mm. I think um, we've skipped forward to that first season in the championship, but looking back to the promotion season again as well, obviously you've talked, you've talked about Warburton being there at the start when you met Uwe, Uwe. What was it like, first of all, when Uwe went to Wigan and um, Warburton took over? Because we went on that, then after that, we went on that superb 19-game unbeaten run. And then also the season afterwards, obviously in the February, the whole story began to broke about Warburton leaving at the end of the season. How did that sort of affect the dressing room? And did you sort of see gradually the move towards the analytical approach coming in that season or was it all sort of put on hold until the summer? Um, so, uh, Warbs coming in was, um, yeah, it was a bit of a shock. Obviously, he was sporting director and uh, Uwe left. We, obviously, everybody's disappointed. You know, we were going well under him. Um, and for him to leave, he thought it was a better opportunity for him. Um, I'm not sure if you spoke to him now, whether it was, you know, he moved probably too quickly. Uh, Warbs came in and he done really well. He was, uh, he was a great coach. Obviously, he was, you know, played himself, and I, I know he retired when he was younger. He was in Watford, being you know in the academy as well. So he knew how to speak to people. He knew how to treat boys. Um, he knew how to get the best of them, uh, and he that showed. And whenever the news did break, and uh, you know, come as you say, February, I didn't know when, when it was that. But um, yeah, we were all disappointed, but we knew, you know, that he didn't want to be you know dead there anymore. But at the end of the day, we worked so hard and. He's worked so hard for us, and our main objective was to get promotion. And um, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it stopped us or in any way of getting promoted with him leaving. I think we had a group of lads that were all driven, and uh, he was, the, you know, he was the main one that was driving us to, you know, get promoted because, you know, at the end of the day, you go to the Premier League. It's, you know, financially it's great, and um, you know, for the club it's great, and he'd he'd always like. You know, tell us all about that. You know, this is this could be important for your family. You know, in a few years' time and stuff like that. There, he, he was always probably because he was in the banking. She was always like telling you about bonuses and money and doing this. And if you do that, if you achieve this, and um, you know that drove us on. I think uh, me and Jordan were talking about it yesterday about sort of we just came up against a borough that seemed to be our kryptonite that season. We just could we couldn't beat them. And I think me and Jordan said yesterday if we'd have got any other team in the playoffs that season, we probably would have gone up. 
what, what was it about that Borough team that just seemed just impenetrable? <laughs> they were just solid, really solid. Um, you know, that I think they stopped Toombs from playing, which, if I'm honest. Um, and Toombs is our, you know, the gel basically, he gets it off the back four, the keeper, and he, you know, he's sort of like steps, steps it off from there. And um, anytime we had their ball, you know, the two centre forwards would drop deep. Stop the room for the midfield, like Pritch getting in the little pockets or Judgy getting in the little pockets, and we just find it very hard to break them down. And um, you know, they have Pat, Patrick Bantford up, up front, you know, scores goals. And um, yeah, we we knew that when we got Middlesbrough in the semi final, we thought you know we could have done with somebody else because you know, the, as you say, there were there's a team that we just couldn't break down. Or I think if we had got Norwich that season, who I think they went on and won the playoffs, I think if we got them over two legs. You know, we might have beat them because, you know, I think we've done well away from home to them. I know they changed manager since that, but uh, with Alex Neal coming in. But, um, yeah, I just think Middlesbrough just had her number that season. I think uh, you mentioned Alex Pritchard. Are you slightly surprised just about how the way what his career is like stagnated? But I always remember watching when Pritchard came in and I always remember thinking this guy is going to go into big things. Do you, what, what, what did you put that down to? Yeah, probably everything really maybe I know he picked up a few injuries and um, you know if he moved around a little bit probably didn't get settled um, he's doing well now at Sunderland you know still you know still playing at a high level uh, but I know what you're saying you, you you know you'd see that he should be playing you know probably in the Premier League week in week out um, I just I just don't know just maybe just injuries you know caught up with him a little bit and um you know, we just couldn't settle in one place, and you know, it's all about opinions. If you know, a new manager comes in, he doesn't like you, then you're on the bench for a while until you know, then you leave. But he seems to be happy now and seems to be doing well. Obviously, going into that first season in the championship, the expectation was not to make the playoffs at all. Well, from our even, I remember going into that season thinking just stay up and sort of being a bit. But not disappointed going into that season thinking, oh, it's been great the last year. We're winning every single week. It's not going to be the same again. And then it just sort of was. Was there sort of a point where you started to think, oh, we could actually do something this season? Uh, I think, you know, you're going away. I think I remember going away to Cardiff and, you know, being trained up after 20, 25 minutes and just thinking, you know, this is an unbelievable team we have here. Um, you know, just think everything we hit, you know, with Jota who came in, uh, Judgey was scoring, you know, Worley, Stewie Dallas was coming in. He came back from loan at Northampton and hit the ground running. Moses was playing right. Andre Gray was just a handful um, scoring goals. And, um, you know, we're going away to Nine the Forest and we're, you know, we're brushing them aside. Um, I know, you know, as you say, like we're Sprentford, like, you know what I mean? This first year in the championship <laughs> shouldn't be happening really. But it did happen and that's just because of the, you know, I think the team spirit as well was excellent. Um, and uh, I think it showed on the pitch. So we knew that we had a good team. We didn't know we'd get to the you know playoff semi final, but we knew we'd be in around the playoffs or um, maybe come up a little short. But I think as soon the fourth the season went on, um, and just as I said, going away to Forest, beating them, going away to Cardiff and between a up to them, and um, just doing it easily. Really, I just thought you know you know we might have a we might have a squeak here. Um, just, uh, I think the most asked question by far when when we put this out was what happened with uh, with Yota. The whole situation um, was definitely the most asked question. Can we can we get a little bit of explanation behind that? Just nothing. I just went to block the ball, and unfortunately, his foot hit mine, and uh, that was it.
Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, we've also um, away away a little bit from Brentford, but um, we we wanted to talk to you about the whole Ivan Tony situation. I, I was just interested about what players get told before they start before they sign their first professional contract about gambling regulations for players. Uh, well, when I first started, um, I think uh, there was just. Um... You couldn't bet on anything that you were involved with. You couldn't bet in the league you're in, the FA Cup or the, I don't know what it's called now, Carabao Cup. You could bet in everything else, basically. You could bet in, so say if I was in the Championship, you could bet in League 1 and League 2 games. Whereas a few years ago, it's come in now, it's just a blanket. You can't bet in any football whatsoever. So um, that's what you get told at the start of the season. Okay, a person comes in, whether it's from the PFA, the FA or... And they come in and explain it to you. You know, there's a you can't bet in any football. Um, what, what have you kind of made of um, Brentford this season? What with Ivan Tony being so good, have you, have you been watching us quite a bit? Is there rested interest, obviously? Yeah, yeah, for- no, I still, um, I still actually go and do some of the the bees play with Mark Burridge. Uh, so I get to watch a few games. Um, they're going really well. Um, to say that it's an upgrade from last year was it's which you you wouldn't expect because you know they had a good season last year, but to, for this season to be in the round European uh, places is uh, you know exceptional for for Brentford and um, I just think to have an all round good set, good side and it's a good club that's run really well and I think it proves uh, you know on the pitch. Yeah, we, I, I wanted on to talk a little bit about when you were doing some research and we found your LinkedIn. Um, you're currently doing a sporting direction sporting directorship at UEL. Yeah. Um, is, could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I'm actually just finished that there, so it was a two year uh, masters. Um, so it was uh, through the, um, so I was with actually Malin McCormick was on as well. So um, yeah, it was it's just uh, probably just obviously I'm doing agency work now, and it's just um, you know I know every I know most things about you know you know football on on the pitch. It's just off the pitch that uh, just trying to you know get some uh, experience in the boardroom and speaking to owners and chairman and uh, you know different things like that there and. You know, one day, who knows that uh, that could be a role. Is that is it the same one that Lee Dykes has done? Because I think did, yeah, did Lee, yeah. Okay. yeah, Lee Dykes was on. I think um, don't know if he started a year or two years before me, but he was he was on the same course, yeah, VSA once. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a really good course with um, it's a, two years. Obviously, it's it's a tough two years to be honest, because obviously COVID and you're doing a lot of it online. You're not actually getting into into classes, I say, which is up in Manchester, so. Myself and Mac could go up to Manchester and we'd, you know, have a night or two up there and uh, go in the class. And as I say, it's it just all trying to, you know, trying to get gain some experience of, uh, you know, what's going to be hopefully in the future. Would you say as well, obviously, studying this for the last couple of years, it seems to be there's been a huge shift in terms of football analytics recently in the way that football's run. And obviously, we seem to be at the, at the, at the forefront of that. Is there much of... Is there much of an emphasis on the tactical analytical side in terms of the way that we're doing it when you're studying these sorts of things? And obviously, towards the end of your playing career, this seems to be where it really took off. At Brentford, did you notice like a shift towards it towards the end of your time here? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I'd never heard of a sporting director before until I was at, you know, obviously Mark Warburton was there. I'm not saying he was the first at Brentford, but the first, but that's the first of my knowledge from the clubs that I was at. Um and it, for for my role, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be doing the stuff that some of the, you know, Brentford people are doing. You know, you, you know, I'm, I'm too smart enough to realise that I'm I'm not, 
that's not me strongest point. So you know, obviously, like Brentford are employing the best people for the you know the best jobs, and I think that's that's all part of being you know sporting directors. You know, getting the best people to you know do the best jobs and um, get the best team around you. And I think to be honest, I think that's something that Brentford have done really well. You know, you mentioned Lee Dykes there. You know, you Phil Giles, um, and then you have you know a hundred other people who's working now. And you know, it's a bit different from when I was at Brentford. You have you know probably obviously the manager, a coach, fitness coach, two physios, a doctor, and that was it. And now you know you just have to look at the side of the pitch at Brentford and there must be about you know 50 staff so you know that's the way football's going and that's the way you know that's the way it is I think uh, we, we've got through all the questions that we wanted to ask you so in the interest in the interest of time we'll go on to the ones that we've got from um, people on, on the Griffin Park grapevine uh, Randello, Randello asked uh, has the modern game moved on from a Douglas type enforcer in midfield uh, not really not I think there's always a part of uh, you know, a space for somebody like that. You know, Casemiro is probably uh, a good example. I'm not saying him anywhere as good as him, but uh, <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's, it's that type of ilk, really. Um, uh, no, I think there's always, and I suppose, suppose Norgard now at um, Brentford, similar. Um, you know, he's not a he's not a player that's easy in the eye, but you soon realise you miss him whenever he's not playing. You know, that's how important he is, and that's how you know vital he is to Brentford. So um, he's uh, no, I think there's always there'll be there's always room. Uh, you, he also asks, how important was it to have an Irish collective in the dressing room at Brentford when you were there? Uh, it's, it is important to have you know people who you know obviously from back home they've experienced the same things as you have. You know you've moved away home from when you're a young age and stuff like that. Uh, you probably you have the same interests. You know you know Gaelic football and hurling and um, you know stuff like that there. So it was it was important, and I think any club you go to, you, you tend to. You know, veer towards the Irish people just because it's, you know, it feels a little bit like home. Yeah, we've definitely got a Danish contingent in our current squad. There's loads yeah. of them. <laughs> Gabs and James Thirty ask, who was your favourite Brentford player to play with at Brentford, and who is your least favourite player at Bre- uh, to play with at Brentford, and why for both? <laughs> oh, um, best. I'd say James Tarkowski. I think was an excellent player. Um, I think when he came in, he his partnership along with him and Harley Dean, I think were you know solid, strong. Both of them like to play. Both of them, you know, headed, kick it. Um, they knew the basics. Uh, there was to be fair. There's a lot. You know, we mentioned Pritch as well. I think Georgie had a twelve month, eighteen month where he was probably the best player in the championship. Um, so I'd say that along them, the worst. I'd say George Savile was the worst, but not because not because of his football ability. It was probably because of just the nonsense he used to get off to off the pitch. Whereas you just never knew if you're safe going into the dressing room. So I'd say he's the he's the worst. What kind of stuff was he doing? Uh, <laughs> I can't mention it. I can't mention it. It's just uh, you just have to be aware every time you enter the room with George. Just what was what was about you. So um, yeah, I'd say George. Okay, uh, Jay Stance ninety two asks best game and or atmosphere you've ever played in. Ever played in best games probably I'd say the first game played for Ireland against Wales at Crow Park. Um, uh, Eighty two thousand people. Um, first game in something like ninety to hundred years that a soccer game was played on a football, as we say, football pitch in in Ireland, the Gaelic. Um, so I'd say that's that's probably the the biggest and best. What about for Brentford? 
Brentford, I'd say Preston at home when we got promoted, I think. Um, you know, you work you work hard all season to achieve something and uh, to finally achieve that, especially after the year before what we had with the you know the playoffs and uh, losing the final. I just think that uh, that was that was probably the best. Uh, Aslan asks, your scoring record at Brentford was a lot better than uh, any other clubs. What, what, why do you think that was? I was probably playing a little bit uh, more advanced probably at Brentford, especially with two sitting behind me. So I was able to get in the box more and uh, that was uh, Uwe and, and Mark Warburton was always like, you know, on to me, make sure, you know, get in the box, get in the box. So, uh, especially when, as you know, you have a player with Toomes quality behind you. So, um, that's that's probably the reason. If you if you could pick a goal out of out of the goals you scored for Brentford, which one was your favourite? Which one was my favourite? I remember a good one against Oldham at home. I don't know if you two remember it. The, uh, the yeah, header. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'd say Brighton. I think I scored a header against Brighton because... Two things was because I lost my man for their goal for a header, which was my mate Gordon Greer. He was playing for Brighton at the time, so I knew that I needed to redeem myself, and uh, I scored in that game. And just because I think that was my first, the first game my daughter went to, so uh, Sam Saunders brought her along. So um, that's probably that's probably my best. Wasn't the prettiest? It's probably a free kick if you actually watch it back. I was surfing the boys back, but who knows. I think yeah, just talking about your goals there. That um, for me, my favourite goal you scored for us, and, and again, not not the best goal, but in terms of what it meant, was um, the header against Crawley in that run up to uh, the promotion. Because I think for me, me especially, that was the moment when we beat them one nothing. We were all over them that game, and nothing was going in. And then you had your header, and it sort of just crept under the keeper. For me, that was the moment. I thought, oh, we're going to go up this season. This definitely is going to happen now. Yeah, uh, they had a man sent off, did they? Early doors, Crawley. Yeah, they did. And yeah. didn't someone, was there, there was like an altercation between one of their players hit one of our fans in the paddock, I think, oh, right near the end. Yeah. I just know what they had because the guy that got sent off was a mate of mine who lives in the same town as me back home. So <laughs> I knew he got sent off. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember that game. I remember it was just, we were just banging on the door, banging on the door, and, you know, couldn't score. And, um, yeah, luckily that, you know, my old head trickled in. Uh, BFC 1997 asks, uh, how much did you enjoy playing with the Spanish trio of Tabar, Toral and Jota? Uh, Jota on his day was very, very good. Uh, and to be fair, I didn't really play much with the other two. You know, you could see in training technically very, very good. But um, I think John Torrell went on to, you know, go to uh, Birmingham as well and, you know, do well and carve out a good career for himself. And uh, I just think with Marcus... Um, technically very, very good. Probably just a little bit, um, what can I say? Probably a little bit too nice maybe for the championship and maybe league one where you could get overran a little bit. But, uh, you, know, you know, two of them were you know, very good lads. Yeah, John, John Terrell is one of my favourite players, to be fair. I think he's very underrated by, by Brentford fans. On, on his day, I reckon he, he was really, really good, top notch. Um, Dynamite asks on the GPG, he says, uh, if you could play one match for Brentford in the Premier League, who would it be against? One match. Um, probably Manchester United and Old Trafford and I'll score the winner. It'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he also asks, uh, how it suddenly, how was it to suddenly have your former colleague Lee Carsley become your, become your coach? Uh, well, Lee was my coach whenever I was getting the elbow from Brentford. Uh, Whenever he was under the B team, just, just I think um, 
think the other managers are still there. What was his name? So that Dark Darkhouse, Darkhouse was it? Darkhouse. Morris, yeah, he was he was still there. So I had to train with the the B team for a while myself and Moses. So uh, you know Lee Carsey, I played with him for Ireland, and you know still be in contact with him. He's obviously he's doing well now with England, um, and hopefully one day he can be you know the Irish manager, which would be great. Uh, we'll move on to the to the questions from Twitter. So Callum Maguire's got a pretty specific one that's got a lot of traction on Twitter. Um, he asked, after the Stevenage loss back in October 2013, it was reported that Uber Rosler locked the team in the dressing room and the team didn't leave until 6.30 in, in the evening. Uh, the team then went on the 19-game unbeaten run that Jordan mentioned earlier. What was said in that dressing room? Well, I'll tell you that there was, it wasn't just what was said, it was what was thrown around and what hit people and... Uh... But uh, it was just one of those ones where, you know, he had every right. We didn't play really well. We were we were terrible that game, or that game. Um, and he let us know about it. And as you say, it didn't it didn't do us any harm anyway. As you know, we went on to on a great run. But uh, yeah, there was there was words said and things thrown about. And uh, yeah, do you do you think kind of every every football manager has that? In them, because I, I can't for the life of me, I can't imagine Thomas Frank going into a dressing room at half time and fucking throwing things at people. <laughs> uh, well, you just never know. He, he, thank God he's never had the up, uh, never been in, in that. You know, everything's going well for them. You know, at Brentford. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's ever gone away to Stevenage and got beat. Uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, I think every manager has a switch. Yeah. Definitely have a switch. You have to be. You have to be mad to be a manager. To be honest, you know it's it's a high high pressure job, and you know especially when you're in the Premier League and, and whatever what's riding on it. You know every point you know, is worth millions. So it's a yeah. Every manager has a switch. Well, every manager I had had a switch anyway. What do you think it was that needed changing at that point that season? Was it a bit of a hangover from the end of last season? Because we didn't start terribly, but then we. It was, just, it was really inconsistent. We, like, we lost home to Rotherham at home, home to Leighton Orient. But obviously, that's Stephen again. What was it that needed changing? Uh, probably we just needed a, you know, a, a reminder of how good we are. You know what I mean? Of, you know, we've probably felt a little bit sorry for ourselves. As you say, we lost against teams where we shouldn't be losing against. Um, could have been a little bit of a hangover from the season before. But then we started OK. But, so, um, yeah, just sometimes you just need a, a little bit of a kick up the backside. And... Um, you know, there's nothing more to give you a kick up the backside than a cold Steve in his dressing room. <laughs> and Nick on Twitter asked, uh, in the memorable 2-1 win at home over Fulham in 2014, where the ref blew the full-time whistle as you chested it down teeing up a half volley, where the ball would have ended up if he'd continued for a few more seconds? <laughs> it'd, probably still, it'd probably still be coming down. <laughs> uh, yeah, 2-1, look at... If you if you win in two one and there's only a couple of minutes left, the the worst thing in the world is to kick it into the keeper's hands so they can get an attack. So, um, if it went in, the bonus. If it went over the stand, that's that's even probably better. Well, were those uh, games against Fulham like when we uh, it's it, the four one as well stands out as one of the standout results in in our time as Brentford fans. Yeah, really good. You know, um, you know we had a good side and I think uh, did we go one down against Fulham at home. Did we? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And then Harley scored, and then Jota scored. Um, so we knew we had a good save. We knew that you know even if we do go one nil down against teams of that you know sort of you know class, and you know the players that they had, you know the Scott Parkers of the world, you know, um, we knew that we could create chances and score goals. And you know, lucky the big head Harley scored with his left foot <laughs> in the top corner, and then you know, obviously Jota scored. Uh, the away game was 
I think we just, I think we scored three of the best goals that season. And in that one game, you know, Stewie scored a great goal. Yacht had a good goal. Judgey had a free kick. Um, so, yeah, I just think that everything we hit seemed to go in. And um, as I think I heard there was 6,000, you know, Brentford fans behind the goal as well, which wasn't the most cleverest thing from Fulham to do. But, uh, you know, it backfired for them. <laughs> uh, we got Ryan on Twitter asking um, did you ever think Brentford would make the Premier League when you were playing for us and if so did you think that we'd be doing as well as we're doing now I knew they had it especially when we got to the semi-final um, I knew that if, if they kept the majority of that team and added a little bit more quality that they had a you know they had a chance I think we just were sent the forward short that year uh, with Andre Gray who was battling his, you know, his, his ass off every week and you know, I know we'd Scott Hogan, but you know, Scotty, you know, done his cruise shit and then done his cruise shit again and we just didn't really have any help for Andre up front and I think if we had, you know, as if, as people say a plan B, you know, we might have beat, you know, Middlesbrough or um so yeah, I always knew they had an opportunity, especially since um, you know, we were we were so lucky or unlucky. You talk about the um the centre forward that season, obviously Chris Long did come in on loan for those last few months, but he never really I think his goal scoring record was really good. It was about four and twelve, but he never really seemed to get like a decent run of games or or start too often. Do you reckon? Because by the end of the season, Andre Great he looked like he was running on empty. Just yeah, do you think maybe yeah, a centre forward uh, in January or maybe long up top would have made a much of a difference? Uh, not really, no, because Andre was just he was incredible. Like you know, he, as a manager, you just you know you try and get your best players on the pitch. I know he did look; he probably was shattered, and but like. You know, if Andre gives you what forty-five minutes, sixty minutes of of what he does, and you know he can, you know he can destroy teams. So, um, I just think with if we had, you know, I know Longy was good and he had the quality, but you know Scott Hogan's a different type of player, you know, different qualities. Probably, you know, obviously a better player because he's he's played at a higher level and he's still going. And I just think if we had those two, you know, bouncing off one another, I think you know. You know, we could have, we could have went up. Uh, we got John, John asking on Twitter. Um, he wants to know how you came about signing for Brentford, and I think you touched on it at the start. You did have a couple of other options. Yeah, I was actually leaving Swindon. I'd, the thing was that Swindon had an option. I get stick from Swindon fans saying that I left because they got relegated, but um, and they still give me stick on when I was playing against them because you know they had the option on me to you know to sign a new a new contract, but you know. It they had it up until the 28th of May and they let it run by the 20th of May so you know technically they didn't want me so I could sign for somebody else and uh, I'd met a few other managers and um, I don't know who I think Uwe maybe got in contact with me through got a number for me of somebody and said would you come down and meet you know himself and Mark and as I said I went down to the hotel and went down went to the training ground and um, you know kept speaking to them and what they thought and you know what Matthew Benham had you know what what he was dreaming and um you know as he's proven you know dreams become reality were you were you as a group of players like close with the owner or was it very much limited in terms of like the interactions you get with the with Matthew uh very very limited he'd come in a training ground the odd time and you know say hello and that there but uh he just used to leave it to you know Uvi and um you know, Alan Kieran was there at the time as well and uh, you just leave it to you know, as I said, mentioned before, you're sporting director. You know what I mean. You you get people to do the best, you know, the best job, and you know you don't interfere. That's something that you know you're not you're not as good as them. Are. Okay. 
Uh, Kevin asks as our final question from um, from Twitter wants to know if you've ever worn anything other than black football boots and said that him and his son when they used to watch you play for Brentford called you school shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably stepping our own Legos and school shoes, alright. Uh, <laughs> no, I used to. Yeah, I used to. Uh, I was lucky enough whenever in the, in the younger days I was getting you know get, got you know given boots by you know Adidas or somebody like that there. So basically, you had to wear whatever they sent you. So. There would be an odd picture of me wearing uh, white preds, or I think they were. I think they were, they were the last ones I wear was white and yellow preds, maybe. Um, but then, no, since I think Swindon wore black boots, Brentford wore. So I'd say the last eight or nine years of my career was all black. Uh, cool. Um, fi- finally, um, just some quick fire questions before we round off. I hope you've got a you've got a story thought of from a, for the, for the funniest Brentford story. But just before then. Um, who would you say is your favourite player out of the current Brentford side? I love Josh Silva. Yes, yeah. yeah, love, love. As a midfielder myself, he just he, he just looks so comfortable. He's got everything. He can carry the ball. He can score. Uh, lovely left foot, strong. Um, uh, I like Josh. Yeah, I like Josh. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Thomas Frank? I like him. Yeah, I think he's 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 brought a real togetherness with the. With the fans and the players, and um, you just have to, you know, see the, you know, what everybody speaks about him. I know he started out and it was a bit ropey at the start, but um, I think that's all down to, you know, Phil James and Matthew Benham, who, you know, probably another man, another owner, and another, you know, director of football might have got rid of him. You know, it was a, it was a tough start for him, but um, you know, he's doing really, really well, and you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the 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 bigger boys are sniffing around him. Who's a who would have who would you say would have been the best uh, best character on a night out from that from that squad of Brentford players that you're in? Uh, best character, oh, there's a few. George Savile, <laughs> definitely one. Um, Will Gregg, too. Scott Hogan, probably with a couple of beers in him is a good crack as well. Harley Dean's good fun. Harley. Dean. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, do you do you think Europe is on the cards this season for Brentford? Do I think sorry? Europe is on the cards this season. I do think, yeah. I think they've got a great opportunity for it. Um, whether the club would want that, because I think, you know, you look at the clubs in the past that have had it, like Bournemouth and West Ham have struggles when they're in Europe. You know, you still need that, you know, I'd say four or five new players to, you know, to, to deal with the game. So, uh, I think they can do it. Um, I'd, just be, I'd just be afraid of what happens to the other clubs that uh, doesn't happen to Brentford. Lovely. That's what we want to hear. Um, have you got Have you got a funniest Brentford story then for 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 any of our listeners? Funny but you can say story. you can say on camera. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if we can say it too many in camera. I think the lads had a bet once, and I think it was Harley and Sons had a bet once. Maybe and Sons lost the bet, and he had to wash Harley's car and you know naked in the car park of the training. I think yeah, the other ones, I, I, no, I couldn't even say that. I couldn't do that to them. No chance. <laughs> I thought that might be the case, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think I think we'll round it off there, John. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, the Unirail podcast will be back following uh, Everton next week. So, yeah, stay tuned across our socials, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube, and we'll see you soon.
Podcast Network.